Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. John, last time uh, we were chatting, uh, you threw it to me about my writing and, uh, gosh, just what I have to – the joy and then the hard work of that and uh, just my kind of being stuck. And it just uh, it just seems like a natural to turn to you and say, so how do you write? I mean, what's this like for you? How do you do it? Yeah. Um, Craig, like you, I love it. I love it. And I think, again, that's such a key indication of calling. Yes, there's hard work. You betcha. And I'll describe a little bit about that. But I think at core, when we are close to that thing that we were made to do, it's a joy to do it. Uh, Frederick Buechner has this great line where he says, the place that God calls us is where our deep joy and the world's deep hunger meet. You know, that um, I love it. I absolutely love it. So let me describe something of the process of it because I think that would be helpful to people in any creative enterprise, but especially to the aspiring writers out there or or the current writers. Um, There's sort of a three-phase process I go through. When I am thinking about a book, the first thing I do is I keep a journal with me. Uh, I try and keep it with me constantly. Uh, and it's not my regular journal. It's my writing journal. My regular journal is for processing life and God and all that's going on. My writing journal is just to capture anything pertaining to the book. And that writing journal, you know, sometimes it looks like, yeah, a whole story. You know, I'll walk away from a lunch and I'll go, oh, that story is for the book. And I'll, and I'll grab as much of the conversation and you know, I'm in the parking lot of the restaurant and I'm trying to, you know, in five minutes capture that. Or sometimes it's a quote. It's a thought. Or I'll just write a note to myself, go back and look at David's battle with Saul. And the note reminds me that when I get into the process, I need to go look at something in the scripture that wasn't available to me in the moment. And so I'll literally fill an entire blank journal as sort of phase one. And, uh, and there's all kinds of things in it, song lyrics, stories, um, some chapter structure ideas. Basically, it is the catching basin for everything, you know, uh, pertaining to the book. And so sometimes I'll even write down chapter one uh, ought to begin with the Moab story. Now, I may not eventually when I get to the book, but I'll even include some things that feel a little structural like I think chapter 12 is about – Yada, yada, yada. But I try not to start with structure. I try and simply start with blank canvas and all of the thoughts and the desires and the inspiration that just begin to come to me. And this is over a several month period. I mean, there have been times when it's been almost an entire year period where I'm just filling that journal with things uh, relevant to the book. John, how do you decide what you're going to be writing about? I mean, what what's in that process? Yeah, okay, right. So I jumped ahead. So um, if people write different ways, uh, I'm, I'm sure. And I know that some people sort of look at a need 
you know, gosh, there's no good book on community out there or gosh, there's, you know, um, you know, there's no great stuff on teaching your kids about sex. So I'm going to write that. You know, it's it's sort of more market driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't write like that. I, I can't start with the external and then generate passion and enthusiasm for it. I have to go with what's on my heart. And the way my relationship with God works is um, he will put something on my heart uh, with passion, uh, sometimes with you know, anger in sense of this is a cause, this has got to be righted, I have to write about that. You know, what people are believing about that is so wrong. I've got, you know, something. He'll stir passion inside. And then I'll pray about it, you know, I'll say, Father, um, is this what you want? Is this where we're headed? What's this next book about? And in dialogue with God, I get confirmation, direction, and guidance. So I'm coming from an internal passion and I'm bouncing it off of God regularly. So I'm starting from an internal passion, longing, you know, this is what I'm currently thinking about. This is what I'm currently learning. But I also dialogue with God about it. Say, Father, is this where you're taking – is this just for me Mm -hmm. or is this for the book? You know, Mm -hmm. is this just something you're teaching me? Is this where we're headed? You must have a bunch of topics or subjects rattling around in your head at one time, right? Oh, sure. All kinds of things I'd love to write on. But but before you start doing the journal, mm-hmm. you land on one. Yep, yep, I do, I do. Partly because I have to focus myself. You know, the, one of the great enemies of writing is distraction. I mean, we'll get into that in a minute. But it's just extraordinary how much distraction comes in. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So it's passion, and it's running it by God, and it's getting affirmation, and then I'll fill that journal um, with unedited, you know unanalyzed, just stuff, stories, memories, scriptures, you know, song lyrics, quotes. And and here's what's really fun, friends. As you begin to do this, whether it's a teaching you're about to do or some project you're working on, God starts pouring stuff into your life. I mean, it's just, I love it. I mean, suddenly everything is about a man's journey, you know, back during Wild at Heart. And it was like every song I heard, every conversation I had, every man I met, it's like, ooh, that's for the book. Ooh, that's for the book. I mean, it is a collaborative process with God. And I love his playfulness. So just the ways he just begins to say, hey, how about this? Hey, how about that? You know, did you ever think about this? And books people send me, articles I read, filling that first journal is easy. Uh, for me, partly because of just the creativity and the joy of it and partly because God just starts pouring stuff into my life. And then phase two for me is, Craig, where you're at, it is structure. You have to have structure. Mm-hmm. And what I'll do is I actually put up on my wall a big eight-foot by four-foot uh, bulletin board and I grab a whole case of three-by-five cards and I begin to transfer big ideas from my journal onto these three-by-five cards and I start tacking them up on the board. And what I'm looking for is themes and structure and flow and, and I'll start creating 12 chapters. Um, I, I don't know why but that's just typically what I do. 
And and so I'll start looking at that board and going, oh, that story with Blaine, that's perfect for chapter three. And so I'll move it under chapter three and I'll create these categories, these columns. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll do that for weeks. I'm just sort of going through the journal, writing things down on cards and and I don't need to write the whole story. Right. What I write on the card is you know, um, visiting my parents and I know what that story is. And that's, that's a three-page story in a book but I just – you know, it's, it's enough of a reminder and I'll go, oh, that's so chapter seven. You know? And so I have this board with all these cards on it. That's how I get structure. That's mm-hmm. how I be- – and I look at it. I massage it. I end up moving things around. But what I'm after at this point is I do need a flow and I do need structure. I do need some sense of we're going to go on a journey and I'm taking people on a journey in this book. What's the best way to do that? Mm-hmm. And you know, what are the best illustrations for chapter one versus chapter five and moving things around? And when I, I finish that process, which usually takes a couple of weeks – I look for the holes and I go, oh, I don't have very much in <laughs> chapter four. I know chapter four is about healing the wound. Uh, but I don't have much there right now. So then I need to go do some work on that, just uh, research, investigation, reading specifically. You know, I'm kind of mining, uh-huh. looking for more material on that, praying, asking God to show me. Some stuff I've got too much in a chapter, other stuff looks like there's holes. So I kind of fill that in. That's sort of phase two. Mm-hmm. Phase one's the journal. Phase two's the structure. And for me, it's the big board on the wall. And only then do I actually start writing. Um, now, sometimes, sometimes I'll get so inspired by a story or so inspired by something that I'll, I'll also have my laptop around. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll write sections, paragraphs pieces, but I just keep them as pieces until I get this done. Uh-huh. And then even those pieces I begin to put into the chapter structure and go, okay, that's it. And then and then phase three is writing. And here's what I've discovered about writing. Um, first off, I'm a morning person. And so I'm much better in the morning. Um, I don't require myself to write all day. Now, I know some people who do. I, I know Dallas Willard, he can write 10 hours a day. And it energizes him and it's fulfilling and he's just built that way. I can't do that. Uh-huh. I'm good for about three hours of intense writing. I'm at the screen. I'm going for it. Um, but I don't ask it of myself to write all day. I don't force that out of myself. Mm-hmm. I just sort of respect how I'm built and, and the nature of my heart. So I write in the morning and I don't write every day of the week. I find that exhausting as well. I'll usually write three or four days in a week and I'll build in you know, sort of a Sabbath rhythm to that. Uh-huh. Don't exhaust myself you know, trying to get one chapter done because I know I've got 12 chapters to write. So there's a sense of this is a marathon, not a sprint. I'll pace myself. Um, and then I'll do some things that I think people are going to find in- interesting and, and really helpful. Um, I'll find a soundtrack for the book. Hmm. There's some music that's going to help my heart be in the right place for this particular book. And so for Journey of Desire, which we we released as the book Desire, um, it was the soundtrack to Out of Africa. 
and the soundtrack to the C.S. Lewis uh, movie Shadowlands. And for some reason, that music was just, wow, Mm. that fit for where my heart needed to be Mm -hmm. in that book. So that's playing as you're writing? Oh, yeah. Literally – or sometimes I'll play it before I write. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes it's just playing in the background as I'm writing. Mm. Now, for Wild at Heart, it was completely different. I mean it was obvious things like the soundtrack to Braveheart, Mm -hmm. Gladiator, Legends of the Fall. That kind of uh-huh. thing. So um, a soundtrack. The other thing I'll do um, and I've described this in other places is I will read great writing and I'll do this literally each morning before I start writing. Just a page, sometimes just a paragraph. I'll just pull a book off the shelf and I'll – you know, I think Frederick Buechner is a great writer. He's really, really good at what he does. Annie Dillard is a great writer. I think C.S. Lewis is a great writer. You know, and so I'll grab – a taste of great writing. I think Norman MacLean's a great writer. Um, I think Anne Lamott is a great writer. And so I'll simply read some great writing to remind myself, oh, yeah, this is what great writing's like. I'm not doing it to copy it. Right. I'm just doing it to orient myself, you know, to kind of get myself back in the place of, oh, yeah, that's the cadence, the word usage, that's that's. Boy, that's well done and it kind of dials me in. Now, is that just a random reading, yep, John? totally random because it's not about the content. Mm-hmm. I'm not reading Lamott that morning or mm-hmm. McLean or Beekner for the content. I'm reading it to be reminded of what great writing is like. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's really unique to each person. I think everyone listening has their favorite writers. They have their mm-hmm. favorite music. They have their favorite places. Um, and uh, and even place is important in writing. Most of my books I write at a desk, at a computer, in my home office. But when I wrote Walking with God, because of the structure of that book, I was trying to tell real-time stories. I carried my laptop with me and I wrote that book everywhere, sitting in my car, uh-huh. sitting at work, you know, uh, to try and bring to it the realism of, yeah, this is what it's like to walk with God through all of life. Now, as you're writing at this stage, is what you're writing stay true to what's been on the bulletin board or does that change in, in the course of your writing? Yeah, you have to allow for change. Okay. You, you have to because there's, there's so much discovery in the process of writing mm-hmm. or teaching or painting or whatever it is you're doing. You discover as you go and it does change. It changes your thoughts sometimes. It even changes your convictions on it. But it certainly changes the structure of it. Uh, and so allow allow for creative space. Don't keep yourself locked into – no, it's 12 chapters. No, it has to be 70,000 words. Now, you know, and just give yourself some yeah. breathing room there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a wonderful movie uh, called Finding Forrester which is a it's a Sean Connery movie about an agoraphobic writer who befriends a young black man in the inner city who is also a writer, a young writer. And uh, the character played by Sean Connery, uh, the older writer in the movie, he's got this great scene where he's teaching the younger writer to write. And he says, the first draft is from the heart. No editing. That's so helpful. Because when you're writing, you have got to turn the internal editor off. 
that internal critic that's just constantly going, that wasn't a very good sentence. You could do that better. Linger on that. You'll kill yourself. You cannot build the boat all at once. Mm -hmm. You build the structure. Then you put the veneer on it. Mm -hmm. Then you sand it. Then you mm -hmm. paint it. You can't be painting while you're building. And so there's this incredible discipline of um, don't look for perfectionism and don't try and tweak every sentence as you go. I think that's absolutely crippling. I know it is for me. And, and then the other thing I was saying earlier is you absolutely have to battle distraction. It's unbelievable. I'll sit down to write and suddenly I think, gosh, I better check my email. You know, it's been 10 minutes since I checked my email, you know. And, you know, I'll sit down to write and I'll think, oh, wow, you know what? I think I left the English muffins out on the counter. I'm not sure I put the, the, the twisty tie back on the bag, you know, boop, 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 you know, run into the kitchen. It is the battle. There's certainly accusation. There's certainly diminishment. There's all of that. But I think the battle is just distraction on one hand and perfectionism on the other. Yeah. Now, John, on the perfectionism thing, I mean, how many times do you edit something? Because can it always be tweaked? Oh, yeah. I mean, how, yeah. how, how do you come to a point where you say, that's it? You kind of, that's enough? Or, yeah. or uh, what is that? Yeah, well, you have to be aware of your obsessiveness, right? And not yield to it. I think um, I have an editor. Anyone who writes a book has an editor. You know, when you submit this to a publisher, they will assign you an editor. And, and there's some humility that says, I'm going to leave that for my editor to clean up. I just um, – I think I've spent too much time on this already. You know, there's mm. some self-awareness, self-knowledge of you can't keep tweaking this forever. I can understand that after you've gotten a few books. But on your first one, did you – was were you more compulsive or oh, obsessive? So, so much more compulsive the first time around. I wanted it to be perfect when we handed it in. Mm -hmm. You know, the fear, all that that you were describing in an earlier mm -hmm. podcast about what will they think of me? Will they like me? Will they like it? Mm -hmm. And there's some inner discipline of – you know what? On one hand, I'm not going to let myself be ruled by fear, compulsion, obsessiveness. That's just going to destroy this book. And on the other hand, humility that says, I do need help. I'm going to run this by an editor and a few other people and get some input and some feedback and not try and be above all that or be so perfect in my first draft. What does Anne Lamott say? Perfectionism. Is Perfection keeps you from writing a what? Shitty first draft. A, fir a shitty first draft. <laughs> she's got a great book on writing called Bird by Bird yeah. and, and uh, she's got some great advice in there and, and one of them is just the enemy of the perfectionist. Uh, the guy who wrote Bagger Vance, Legend of Bagger Vance. What's his name? Stephen Pressler, I think. Uh, he wrote Gates of Fire also about the Battle of Thermopylae. He's got a book on writing called The War of Art, kind of a play of words on uh -huh. Sun Tzu's book, The Art of War, The War of Art. And he also just talks in there about the enemy of perfectionism. It's just crippling. You, you've got to fight that off and just let creativity be what it is. Let it be messy. It's going to be messy. That's okay. So then you finished your book. The editors made some suggested edits. You work through and negotiate that. What's going through your heart, mind, head and soul as the book then goes out? 
Well, first off, there's the humility of accepting the editor's input because <laughs> uh-huh. my first reaction when I get the edited manuscript back is never a public reaction. <laughs> I cannot tell my editor what I think because there's that first reaction which is not humility. What do you mean you didn't like that sentence? What do you mean this isn't clear? I – you know, uh-huh. defensive, uh-huh. you know, hurt. Once I work through that, accept his outside eyes, experience, expertise, um, make the edits, turn it in. Um, yeah, there's a mixed feeling. Um, it never feels done. You have to be okay with that. Um, it feels incredibly vulnerable and an immense amount of satisfaction. Um, a lot of people celebrate when their book is published. But I celebrate several times through the process. And the first big celebration is when I turn in my rough manuscript. I have a party. If it's just me, but it's usually me, stays the boys, we go out to dinner, you know, uh-huh. pop a cork, something. You know, we um, and then I, I party when I turn in the edited manuscript, and mm-hmm. then I party when the book's released. I think you need to celebrate this, you know, uh, and and enjoy. I have crafted something. I have offered something to the world. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you loved it. We love getting your feedback as well. If you're enjoying these podcasts and would like to leave us a comment, please visit the iTunes store and do so. And by the way, all of our audio resources are now available for purchase through the iTunes store. You can find our resources and our other podcasts by searching for either Ransomed Heart or John Eldridge on the iTunes store. And to find out more about Ransomed Heart, our podcast, our events, and all of the things that we're offering and doing, come to our website at www.ransomedheart.com.